Welcome to Reframing Ministries with your host, Colleen Swindoll-Thompson. Here's Colleen. Hi, my name is Colleen Swindoll-Thompson, and I want to welcome you to another interview, a wonderful interview this will be, with Tim and Jamie. Thank you for being a part of this Thank you today. for having us. Um, we are going to be speaking on an issue that affects every single one of us, and that is when we choose to have faith in Christ, sometimes it's not always what we thought it would end up being. So if you are struggling, if you are stuck, or if you are wondering, where is God in my story? I want you to hear a story that will remind you He is with you as well. So let's start with your job that you had before you went into ministry. Okay. So uh, Jamie and I were married in 2004. Uh, she was finishing up college. This is a long time ago. We were a lot younger, a lot younger, a lot younger. <laughs> don't give don't give any. Uh, times. We won't. We won't. We won't. Um, but I worked full time uh, for a pharmaceutical company in suburban Philadelphia. I had graduated from college uh, with a, a degree in biology. Was working in vaccine manufacturing, vaccine research. Absolutely loved it, had been there uh, for about a dozen years. Um, we started in uh, with our building our family probably three or four years into our marriage. TJ is our oldest, he's now nine. Lucas is seven. Good job, Dad. He's seven. <laughs> Lucas, our man in the middle, is seven, and Anna is five. Okay. So, with that, um, back up to the summer, the spring and the summer of 2011. And we were a part of our church uh, that, that we've been a part of since basically we, we got married um, in suburban Philadelphia. And I would never know. You would never know. <laughs> you would never know. We could talk about water. We could talk, we could talk about Hagee's. We could talk about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, but we're in Texas now, so we'll talk brisket. There so that's go. good. Um, but we started, we started seeing the church grow, and we, we started with uh, our pastor when the church was about maybe 25 or 30 people, very small, very intimate, and um, the, the hallmark really of, of the church which we belong is, is we teach the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, straight through the entire thing. And when you teach the Word of God, as you know, Colleen, when you teach the Word of God, it changes people's lives, and, and we saw more and more people coming. Um, it was an exciting thing to be a part of and to watch. And I saw the, the burden on our senior pastor really starting to grow because more and more people were coming, more and more people wanted a part of his time. Um, he has five kids in his family, so it's, it's a lot. It was, it was a lot to watch. And we were just growing, and it, and it became pretty apparent that he needed an assistant pastor. And... We just started praying, Lord, raise up an assistant pastor. And funny how he answers some of our prayers. Yes, <laughs> it, it, is, it is. The Lord has a sense of humor for sure. Um, because uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, there was nothing romanticized you know, about that in, in my mind or in our world. It wasn't some idealistic thing that we really had, had thought, well, now if we just do this, then we'll really be serving the Lord. The Lord had done amazing things at work, you know, being able to share the gospel with people there and sit and pray with, with people uh, in my office, closing the door and just really being honest about who the Lord is, being honest about sin, being honest about brokenness and all these different things. So I very much 
felt like I was where the Lord had me and where the Lord had us as, as so a family. And so you were praying for someone else. We were. We, were. Uh-huh. we, we absolutely. absolutely were. <laughs> and and uh, Dave, my, my dear brother, my co-laborer, my friend, mm-hmm. my pastor, um, approached me, approached us, and, and uh, he said, Tim, I, I want you to start praying about something um, because I, 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 believe, I believe the Lord has a calling on your life. And when that came, oh, yeah, you know, it, was, it, was, it was shocking, really, because, um, again, it wasn't something that we were looking for or something that we were desirous of, but it really became apparent after we started praying that this was something that the Lord was calling us to. And uh, it really became a matter of obedience fairly quickly because I started bargaining with the Lord. I know, Lord, if you give, if you give me... Well, you and Abraham have something if we, in If you give me eight more years, you know, I can hustle. I'll pay down the house. You know, all, all the right answers, you know, mentally um, and probably in the flesh, Right. Well, but responsibly as responsibly, well. Responsibly, sure. You know, you're but raising a family, you're saving, you're thinking we're, we're ahead. Try, we're trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a planner. I'm trying to be a provider, all of those things. And and there was this back and, and forth with the Lord, and it, it eventually came down to a very cut and dry moment in time that both of us, I think, really remember specifically mm-hmm. where, where it was like, you know, Tim, either you're going to obey me or you're not. And when he says that, you're like, okay, yes. I will. Yes. So it, 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 at the end, it, it became a matter of obedience, Colleen. And and at that point, we couldn't we couldn't deny the fact that this is what he was calling us to. So that was. But was there peace? Because sometimes with obedience, well, all the time with obedience, a peace follows, mm-hmm. yep. and your soul feels more rested. Yeah. There was there was I think for for both of us, and that was mm-hmm. something. I don't know, Jamie, if you wanna share your, your part of that uh, as far as wrestling through that at all? Because you had, you had to carry a burden in that too. Yeah, well, it did, it did definitely come as a surprise, but you're so right that obedience does, there is a blessing there, that peace does follow obedience. And as we were wrestling individually and together with this decision, because it was a major decision changing the trajectory of our lives that we had planned for Years, I would years assume ahead. probably a pay mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yes. cut, and and of practically sorts. yes, <laughs> practically speaking, it was a very significant life change for us. That, and as we discussed this with you know our trusted friends and you know our parents, um, they were cautioning us from those things. I remember distinctly my mom saying that she knows what it means to be in a pastor, you know, have a pastor to have a family with young children. And she was worried for her grandchildren growing up in that, you know, that glass house that is, as, as I'm sure you're very well acquainted with, and, you know, some of the spiritual warfare implications yeah. that that means and, and the, the criticisms. And so she was worried, you know, personally as a grandmother and, and mm-hmm. both of our, you know, both sides of the family were concerned about these very practical things. So, um, but it became very clear that it was obedience or disobedience. And what was that moment like? (laughs) For, for me, it was very much, it was very much, um, like a conversation I would have with one, with one of our kids when there would be a very clear line in the sand to say, either you're going to, you're going to walk this out, what I'm asking you to do, Mm -hmm. praying through it, you know, wrestling with it, thinking I'm hearing the Lord's voice, Reading the word, um, sitting on, I remember specifically, I remember sitting under teaching yes. on Sunday mornings yes. in church and thinking, you know, I know, 
I know that Dave isn't directing this at me. He didn't pick this for me he's to hear your this, right? He's not, he's not doing this to, to, it was just where we happened to be in God's word. In the book of Acts. In the book, in the book oh, of Acts. Yeah, that's, that's where we were on Sunday morning. So week upon week upon week, I'm hearing this about mm. the Lord growing the church and the need for godly men to be, to be raised up. And I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, yes, Lord, raise a man up, raise a man up. And then this happens and then I'm, I'm almost undone. Like, Lord, this, this can't be, this can't be the, the story. This can't be this dramatic a trajectory change. There's no possible way. And, and it, that's just faith. I mean, that is, that is the wrestling that we all have. I mean, that's yeah. why mm -hmm. the mystery of God's will is such a yeah. powerful book because yeah. we wrestle with, um, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and it, it, it felt that way very much. Like, Lord, you can't be serious. This, this is it. But there's oh, repetition. There there's, was. It was mm -hmm. time upon time, and and God's word speaks. If if you open if you open the word of God, and if you're humble before it, and if you're humble before Him, and you say, Lord, I need you to speak to me here. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't understand where you want me, where you want us to go. And I felt the pressure of that as a as a husband and as a father, as a provider. Mm. You know, I had a very good job with a, in a very lucrative position and I was I was really enjoying it. I of I, I really really enjoyed it. You know, I got to travel the it's world easier. and uh -huh. it was it was enjoyable, it was exciting, it was mm -hmm. fulfilling. There was gospel work happening there. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't like I was choosing the world versus following Christ, right. but he he changed our trajectory and that and that's really what it was. So he had to reach in and he had to change the desires of my heart and it and it finally came down, Colleen, to a point of it, it's you're gonna be obedient or you're not. Mm -hmm. And to to answer your your original question, it's it's like when you talk to one of your small children mm -hmm. and there's that breakthrough point when they the light goes on and they realize I need to obey mom and dad. This is the safest place for me to be. Mm -hmm. The safest place for me to be is to be in, in a place of obedience. It's not that mom and dad are trying to break my heart. It's not that they're trying to keep me from having fun, to frustrate, mm -hmm. to, to annoy or anything like that. It's, it's actually the safest place mm -hmm. for them to be is in the place of obedience. Sometimes so. with the mother look too, they realize that <laughs> they better, or it's not gonna be such a safe place. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it, will be, it will be the safest yes, place exactly. for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're exactly in right. In a lot of different ways. So yeah. then you fast forward, you take the position, you didn't have to move, but you were pregnant or were you pregnant with Anna yet? So about this, it, it all coincided. Okay. This timing of everything. We had, we had also been praying about, you know, if, if the Lord would grow our family and the timing of that. And we had s simultaneously brought that to the Lord in prayer also. And I remember very distinctly, we had stopped one night and as all of this was swirling in our lives, mm. we were asking that question, Lord, mm. you know, would you have us have another child? We have two healthy boys. We're very content. You know, what would you have for us? It was very much a season of seeking the Lord for his will as we were building our family. And and we stopped to pray because I was wrestling with that aspect mm. more so than the position. Um, and I knew that, that God would provide. But um, we stopped and prayed and just, you know, as we do with our prayers where we take this burden and we just say, Lord, I cannot carry this decision mm -hmm. anymore. I just need you to take it. Mm -hmm. So we prayed specifically about a third child. And, and I remember saying, Lord, I know that we're not ready now, mm. but if you would have this for us in the future, just help us to know when. And Which um, is so interesting because yeah. we think we know 
Yes. Like we do. we're not ready to we're not mm -hmm. ready now. And he's like, Oh, but you really don't know you are. Yes. <laughs> and you know, we and, we're and so we, good yeah, at yeah. deciding for him what yeah. we can do. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. our limitations for sure. And I've had that negotiation mm -hmm. with God many times. Lord, I am at my limit. I think you made a mistake. That <laughs> yes. was supposed to be for the neighbor. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But we we prayed that prayer and I think two weeks later I was so you were pregnant ready. with Anna. Okay. Yeah. So the timeline was interesting because Tim had set it up so that he could leave his job with, you know, in a management role, it was difficult for him with projects slated for the coming years. He's, the timeline became, we made, you know, we prayerfully made this decision that he would leave his, his job, come on staff at church. It was all unknown at the time. And I was newly pregnant with Anna. And it turned out that this April deadline that he had set discussed with his upper management and, you know, was ready to transition out of his position was almost to the date the same as my due date. So he left his position March 31st, mm -hmm. started April 1st at our, you know, working at our church, and I was 36 weeks pregnant helping him to move his new office into the church. You were really wanting to go into labor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And, and in that time, our faith was severely tested, that waiting period, the transition. Oh, and waiting is such an interesting thing because we want to, we want to say, oh, I'm waiting on the Lord when we're really negotiating with the yes. Lord mm -hmm. or we are running from the Lord, yes. or we are saying we're waiting, but we're going, can you hurry up? You know, instead of saying, what tools are you trying to equip me with as I wait and wrestle with the unknowns that are going on? Mm -hmm. Because you took that job and huge pay cut, and you're sitting in with a sonogram going on, correct? Yep. And here's where your faith must have just been... I, you give the words to it. <laughs> well, interestingly, about two or three weeks into my pregnancy, um, you know, after I'd found, so maybe it was like 10 weeks or something, I, Tim was away on a business trip and I fell down a step and broke my foot. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh good, well that's the little hiccup for this pregnancy. Cause you know, there's always something that you're worried about as you're going through that time in life and everything's very sensitive. So I broke my foot, he was away. It was, oh no, I'm on crutches and I'm pregnant and I have two very small children at home. <laughs> How inconvenient is this going to be? But I kind of thought, check yeah. my, my uh, sentence with this one is, is over. I've had my little trial. And then once I'm out of this cast, we'll move on from here. And little did I know uh, what was awaiting us um, a few weeks later when December, it was, it's, it was one of those dates in, you know, your own personal timeline that you can never forget where there is a day and a time when everything else behind it represents a different chapter. Their page has turned. There will never be a return to what was normal, um, and that for us was December 13th, 2011. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we went into our routine 20-week ultrasound, and we were excited. You know, we had done this before. We were excited to see the anatomy, beautiful anatomy of our baby, to watch God's Psalm 139 miracle happening in real time, and, 
to see, you know, to find out what are we having, a boy or a girl? Could we really be having a girl? We have two boys. What a blessing this would be. So we went in very excited with a lot of anticipation. Sure, and you ask the questions, and they're always like, well, you've yeah. got to wait for the report. You know, exactly. they don't tell you anything, but yeah. sometimes, exactly. you know, you get yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So this is going on, and you're out of your cast. Yes, I'm out of my cast. Oh, good. <laughs> it's all good for yeah. here. It's Christmas yeah. time. We were just really flying high, mm -hmm. and, and the ultrasound technician was spending a lot of time taking pictures of Anna's brain many pictures and because we had been through it with our other sons you know multiple times we had we had known what to expect and we knew that this was different and she was silent throughout she wasn't saying here are the toes and here are the, the you know here's yeah. the spine and look at the heart beating and the ultrasound tech was completely silent so we were both a little unsettled about this and we walked out of the room after did you ask her anything I, I did. Yeah. Afterwards. I would. Afterwards. Yeah. So so she was she was quiet the whole time. Jamie's mom was there, um, and we were of course excited. We found out that we were having a girl, so we were excited. It was the first mm -hmm. first granddaughter. First granddaughter. Yeah. For for Jamie's for Jamie's parents' side, so they they were thrilled. But I I knew Colleen mm -hmm. just from the the body language of of her and the the ultrasound tech you know, not her fault nothing of the sort but just going back and click 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 and look changing and click 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 mm -hmm. with dragging the mouse and measurements and yeah, everything yeah. and I, I specifically remember you know we, Jamie got cleaned up got the jelly wiped off of her belly and mm -hmm. and uh, they they walked out and I remember saying to Jamie I'll, I'll be out in a second and she's like okay and were you nervous I was but I was trying to not be. I was trying, you know, I, th I thought it was that natural mom worry sure. that, that I felt, but. Yeah, so f for me, I don't, I'm dad, so I don't have that, or at least that piece <laughs> of it. So, so uh, Jamie and, and mom walked out of the room and I, I just straight up asked the ultrasound tech, I said, what's wrong, what's wrong with our little girl's head? You, you saw something there and I, I, I saw you going back to the head and back to the head and back to the head. And she said, "Sir, I'm so sorry. I can't tell you anything. We're gonna send it. We're gonna send this to the radiologist. Jamie's OB will be in touch with you. Have a good night." It was like 8:30 at night. We were the last appointment of the day, and I walked out of the room and I, I just, I just broke. Oh my god! I, I just broke because I knew. So I you knew had to wait the weekend. We no, we didn't. At, um, it was a, it was a two, Tuesday night, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Tuesday, and the following morning so it was oh, about really? nine o'clock the following morning at really 9 a.m sure yeah. i got a which phone is call. not really a good yeah. sign yeah i got a phone call from my ob's office saying that they discovered something with their with anna's brain and they weren't all too alarmed but they wanted to send us for another second layer of ultrasound so just you know, an ultrasound two, they call it, where it's a little more in detail and they have specialized radiologists who read the mm -hmm. films and so we made that appointment and of course we're right at Christmas time. So we were we were scheduled for the day before Christmas Eve to go for this second ultrasound. And we were both nervous because when you hear the words abnormality with with the brain, with any, any, anything, yeah. and I, I think that was, um, you know, just we we wrestled through that time. We had our whole church, you know, prayed for us. Our families were praying. We had so many people praying, and we went into it confident 
in a lot of ways that this was a false alarm mm. that we would have to wrestle through as sometimes these faith tests really are. Right. You have to wait for that report and it comes back and you're wrestling for those days or weeks and then you hear that everything really is okay and you're gonna be fine. And you're relieved and, and you're then relieved so humbled. And humbled. Because you think, I can't believe right. I just said exactly. all these things. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And we had gone through, you know, we, had, we were looking back on our other, you know, our other two children and just seeing how God had prepared us for our first son had something that wound up not being a big deal. And then our second son had something that became a false alarm. And so we had gone through those seasons of when it was a small minor issue that was then resolved. And so we recognized, okay, Lord, you're with us through those minor things. You're with us in the false alarm. And then December 23rd, we had, the, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like an atom bomb the shattered. Bomb dropped. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we heard from our doctor who was dressed in a three-piece suit. You know, it's funny how you have these very vivid memories, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. he came in and he... Which he, is really part of the fear response. Yes. Yeah. Because all of your senses open up yes. and you're more receptive you to yeah, those things. Exactly. And the beautiful part about that experience was it was immediate. We didn't have to wait. So we went in for the ultrasound. The radiologists read it. They read it right away. And if they don't come see you and they send you, you know, the the nurse or the tech will send you home, then it's, then it's usually okay. But the doctor came in right away and he said, I really don't want to have to tell you this the day before Christmas Eve, but your daughter has an abnormality in her brain, her ventricles, and he, he brought up the pictures and started to show us what was happening in her brain. Her ventricles were enlarged, but that wasn't the major issue. So he used the term hydrocephalus, mm -hmm. um, but he said that the major issue was related to assist in the cerebellum, right on top of the cerebellum, um, which is, in his words, high real estate in terms of uh, brain development. Uh, yeah. And it had grown significantly in the time from when they took the initial ultrasound from until... From the 13th to the 23rd. Mm -hmm. So he, his recommendation was to send us directly to the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, which is number one in the nation for fetal diagnostics. I mean, they're pioneering so many different areas of pediatric care. So we felt very comfortable going there and we, you know, we left that office with this devastating news with a lot of stones still to overturn in okay. his diagnosis. So when you get that kind of news, because, because it may not be a child, but it, it, it's yeah. something that's yes. an atom bomb. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, first of all, what, what did he say um, with ventricles and, I mean, I know pituitary glands mm -hmm. and all the cerebellum, yes. but that isn't language you have to learn as a parent if you don't no. have a child that's different. So what did he say and what were those emotions? Um, he's, he told us that her, her ventricles in her brain were enlarged and the cyst was sitting heavy on top of her cerebellum that it would impact, it could impact her vision, hearing, ability to swallow and he didn't understand the reason why this was happening, that it wasn't something he had seen before. And he didn't know if there was anything we could do yeah. to help her, so we needed to find more information. And he recommended, and he personally called this, speci you know, this specialty fetal diagnostic team, who then would carry our care 
from there. So basically, there was the potential that she would not survive? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he, he, yes. told that, he told he us that told two us days before Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So we had. We yeah, had I got to get this part of it because yeah. this is John's diagnosis came two weeks before Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. Christmas has a different tone in my own soul. Oh, yes. And I understand that. Completely different. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. Different. It's just I never thought that I would feel this every December. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there is but, a, on those anniversary dates where you come back to a, yes. almost a grieving place again. It is grief. Mm -hmm. And you're at a deeper place if you've processed it. But it definitely yeah. is grief. It's not like yeah. there's an end. Yeah. Yes. Because there's still life. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just don't know. And what did, when you heard she could die. Yeah. It was... It was there's no way to describe the emotion of that other than just shock and, and numbness, really. Mm -hmm. we, we were just numb. And we, we did. We went into that into that perinatologist office, that level two ultrasound, really hopeful. Like, okay, they've seen this before. Yes. This is this is why they sent us here. Okay, it was just, you know, our local hospital, they weren't really prepared to see what they saw. We're going to the specialist. He'll be able to give us the smoking gun and it'll mm -hmm. be something and you know, maybe maybe it will be something there, but we'll deal with it, and it'll it'll be okay all in the end. They and can help. us. They can help us. And isn't the verse? I mean, I come back to this verse, Romans twelve two, where it's taking every thought captive. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not in this world, and because yes. of that, we need to take every thought captive. But when you are terrified, yes, that is a moment by moment decision at times. Absolutely, it, it, it really is. was. It really was, and and so. Here we are, it's, it's December 23rd, we're going to church the next day, right? It's Christmas Eve services. We have two Christmas Eve services. And we're just, as, as followers and believers in Jesus Christ, you know, everything, everything for us as believers hinges upon the fact that Christ came, mm. right? And we celebrate his coming and we'd be dead and lost in our sin forever if he didn't come. Mm -hmm. And he came, and he came as a baby, Right? Yeah. Fully God and fully man, conceived inside a virgin's womb by the Holy Spirit, a deep mystery of our faith, but one that we the one that we hold on to, you know, with that little either that little mustard seed or that, you know, that big mustard tree type of faith, yeah. right? And it takes on a completely different meaning the very next day. You know, and, and here's my wife carrying a baby. And Jesus came to make broken things whole, right? And, and how we are we are in the midst you? of like sheer brokenness now, yeah. like and and being told that this is this is bad, and you guys are really in the deep end of the pool right now, and we don't know why this is going on, mm -hmm. and we have to send you to the number <clears throat> one field diagnostic center in the country, if not the world, and they're going to try to figure this out. So they made that call. We go down January fifth. Well, going back to Christmas yeah. for a second, oh, sure. I think of Wordsworth and the I hear the bells on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm where hope is gone, there is no song in his mm -hmm. own life because he had lost his wife, he lost one right. son, then he loses another son. Right. And it's, 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 there's Christmas for everybody else, but yeah. I can't celebrate. There was a lot of sorrow. There was, there was a lot of sorrow. And the, you know, the boys are excited, Colleen. And, it's, <laughs> at that and you're point, trying to open presents. And, yeah, I think mm -hmm. they were, what, four and two, right? So, yeah, so that's like the sweet spot of Christmas for a little boy, right? Because they get it. And they're no coming doubt. tearing down the steps. And they're excited, and they understand that something might be wrong with the baby inside of mommy, but they don't really get it. They're they're small, and we wanna, as parents, we wanna we wanna give them as much joy and as much opportunity to be normal and happy little boys on Christmas morning. We wanna be happy on Christmas mm -hmm. morning, and 
and all of that. But there was, there was a deep, deep sorrow in our hearts mm. that Christmas. And it, it, really was the was. First, it was the first true taste of sorrow that I had experienced in that way. And it's that, a cutting that you can't explain yes. or you can't yeah. teach from a book. Yes, exactly. No, no. Mm-hmm. I remember one word that the, one of the doctors used. Um, he said that Anna's brain had been malformed. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think that was the first wrestling that I really had mm-hmm. with the Lord, mm-hmm. the word malformation, because I had been taught my whole life since I was a child that before you were before you were born, when you were in the womb, I formed you. I knit you together that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that when there were deep works going on inside, that God was closer than our mother's skin, right? Knitting us together. And so I really had to take that word, that one word to the Lord and say, I bet. Lord, malformation, mm-hmm. you are forming. Do you malform? And I had, I really had to reconcile that and choose. That was the first of so many choices of who am I listening to on this faith journey? Oh my goodness. Who am I listening to? Words mean so many, Mm -hmm. they take on a new definition. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. because of course you would wrestle with that. Lord, you could have made this not malformed, but you didn't malform it. Mm -mm. Yes. So... You know, what? what's going yes, on? Exactly. I um, picked up this book. My dad had read it. And, of course, I'm going to read a lot of the things that he reads because he's <laughs> smart. Makes me feel smart. It's called The Road to Character by David Brooks. He, ha- he actually did a TED Talk and has written this book that is so incredible because it's about our character, not our comfort, not what we'd like, but about what cultivates our character. And in it, he has a passage on suffering. In fact, throughout it, he does. But what he says is many people don't come out healed from their suffering experiences. They crash through the logic of individual utility and behave paradoxically. Like you said, I had to really wrestle with this. And he says they hurl themselves deeper and those who wrestle well hurl themselves deeper and more gratefully into the art of loving others and their commitments. This way of suffering becomes a fearful gift, very different from the other gifts of happiness or as conventionally defined. The latter brings a pleasure, but the former forms our character. Absolutely. And you just stepped into the deep end of that. Right. Yeah. We were hurled into it. We got shoved. We were hurled into it. And we often say that if the choice was ours, mm-hmm. we would choose differently yep. for our daughter mm-hmm. and for our family because it has been very painful. But what you, what you just read reminds me of um, very soon after Anna's official diagnosis where uh, she was we went through a whole day of testing. When I say whole day, I mean 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We were a fetal MRI, fetal EKG, just testing genetic counseling, all of this workup to see what is happening with this little girl. Mm-hmm. Always with the caveat, and we were told from the very beginning that when we were ready, we could end this. Of course. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that was the encouragement from some of our doctors, and I won't say all, Mm -hmm. some of our doctors 
encourage that because they said hopeless, they said death, they said no quality of life. These words that, again, we really had to wrestle with. And in that, you know, we got to the end of this very, very long day and the doctor sits with us in the little room and it was our next stage of saying, if we go there, they will help us mm -hmm. to this bigger, better hospital. Mm -hmm. And they have really helped us. They have, they have. <laughs> but um, we sat in the room with, with the doctor, the little tiny room with the little tiny table that nobody wants to be in. And he said, where would you like me to start? This is very complicated. I have never seen anything like this before. Don't start. No, yeah. I know. I just want to leave. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly that's exactly right. Exactly right. And he started to, he had a, a legal pad and a pen. And he listed a variety of diagnoses with her that were all, he called it a constellation. And he didn't know how they all went together. And what were those? So hmm. hydrocephalus was one where her ventricles were enlarged, uh -huh. which, which in is the medical, water on the brain. Yeah, or water on the head. brain, and it can have devastating effects. Right, but in our modern medical world, hydrocephalus is not that big of a deal, right? Right, where, right. And I, I say that John extremely that. soberly, mm -hmm. that it can be mediated. Mm -hmm. So that was the first. The second was that she had a very, uh, an increasingly growing cyst filling with spinal fluid, sitting on top of her cerebellum in the posterior fossa of her brain, which he then told us would cause blindness, deafness, and inability for her to swallow or breathe on her own, and that she would most likely, um, if she were able to make it to term, she would most likely be born and die. And die. Then he told us that she had fluid surrounding her abdominal cavity, specifically her liver, that was most likely due to some kind of infection that she had received somehow. You know, the, the mother's supposed to protect oh my. from infection, and for some reason, I was unable. So talk about mom guilt. With <laughs> For it. some yeah. reason, my, my immunity was unable to protect her from that infection. Mm -hmm. And so they said that that was the most alarming thing for them to see was all of this fluid collecting because they thought eventually it would increase mm -hmm. and surround her heart, and she would mm -hmm. then die so and, and be a stillborn baby. Mm -hmm. So he asked us what we wanted to do with this information. And now, were, did you have questions? Were oh, you just yeah. crying? Oh, you, I mean, we, we, were sit, we were sitting there, Colleen, and it started, you know, it was, it was, it was the chief of the entire division. So it was, it was the number one guy at the number- That you never want to see. At, at the number one hospital with the number one division. And, and he came in and he sat down. And like, like James said, he just said, where do you want me to start? And he said, start at the beginning. So he starts rattling off these things, one after the other. And he kept going. And of course, the tears start to come. And I specifically remember we were sitting like this, the way that we are right now. Jamie was to my left. And we looked at each other at one point when he was like into the fifth or sixth diagnosis or symptom that he was looking for. We, we actually stopped we crying and we started laughing. Like, when is this going to stop? Thought, yeah. This is like, the most this, ridiculous This is a cruel thing. joke. Yeah. Like, when are you going to stop mm -hmm. with this? And so you're, you're being just bombarded. You're being flooded with this information. And um, after, after that, he actually pulled me aside and he said, Tim, I need to, I need to tell you something. He said, in cases like this that are so medically involved, um, there's something that we've seen happen. It's called mirror syndrome, where the mother actually starts to mirror the symptoms of the baby. So, mm -hmm. so you need to be on very close watch with Jamie because she can start to take, this not only could take your 
baby's life, it could take your wife's life. So, so then that, there's a then, little bit of a conflict. Then with... you're just like, that's just like, I, I can't even, I can't even think, I can't even process these things right now. So in that moment, because there are some people listening or watching who are right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they can, they've just gotten blown away. Mm -hmm. yes. What do you say to that? What, what, what would you fill in their space that they have no words for? So the first thing I would say to you or to the audience mm -hmm. is you're normal. That's, that's, and sometimes you need to hear that. Yep. You're just, you're normal. And even, you know, if you follow Jesus, if you're, if you're a, a born again believer in Jesus Christ, that he's your savior, that it's normal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not that your faith is, is less than, it's not that you, you have some you hidden have, sin yeah, exactly. or that or you, if you could just muster up more faith or yes. just be like a little bit more like this hero or that hero of our faith, then you, then you can really have it. No, this, 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 this is, this a, is a sucker punch. Yeah, this is a sucker punch to your jaw. And, and there's no other way to describe it than that, than you were just reeling and that's okay. And it's one step at a time that's exactly because I'm right. sure you heard well, at least you have two healthy boys, yeah. or you know, yeah. do you need to pray more, or go yeah. to this service, or try yeah. this recipe, or try, yeah. and you're like, boom, boom, I want to hate yes. <laughs> everyone. I remember someone suggested that I take fish oil to help her brain develop, and I just thought, oh my, we are so past the fish oil right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to laugh. Yes. We are so past the fish we, oil. Yes. We are. We are. It We're was like talking eyeballs yeah. and brain. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a lot deeper than, was, than Omega 3. So threes. there's hope yeah. in that too, yes. because as you just were speaking, you know, you are normal and yes. it's normal to wrestle. Yes. It's normal to be angry at what you never expected. Yes. I mean, you're reframing your lies exactly. and one frames down yeah. and there's no shadow of another one. Right. And you don't know how to move forward. Yeah. And it's one step at a time. It is. And God's word. It, and, and that's exactly it. So the, the, the next thing I would say is after you feel completely incapable, right? And completely confused. The next step and the thing that, that we had to physically mm -hmm. choose mm -hmm. is, and Jamie mentioned this, is who are we gonna listen to? And that's what I would encourage the audience mm -hmm. with is who are you gonna listen to? Because you have the option to listen to the doctors, you have the option to listen to family and friends, you have the option to listen to people who've been there before, or you have the option to listen to the one who made you. You have the option to listen to God and, and to his word and to run to scripture. And when he's quiet, because some, I've been there, last summer I was at a place where I was like, Lord, I've, I'm on my knees, can you just answer? Yes. It's not that he isn't answering, it's that He's allowing whatever in me that needs to come yes. out and be carved off. He's allowing that to bubble up, my impatience, how demanding I am, how I want my way. So when he's silent, he's not silent. He's giving us time Never. to reflect. Absolutely. And that's painful too. It is. It is. I, you mentioned, um, I'm freezing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mentioned that, uh, that this, that these times in our lives are are gifts that mm -hmm. that God does mm -hmm. allow these times of suffering, and 
I can look back, you know, we very rarely tell the story all together mm -hmm. chronologically. It's a, it's a long, it's been a six year, we're coming up on six years of being in this world. And the story doesn't end with the pregnancy. I mean, it goes on and on. Because but her suffering. First, her suffering didn't no, end. we're still in it. So yeah, you'll be and, in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was the, I think that was the, the misconception that I had about faith in yes. Christ and walking with the Lord on a daily basis was that, you know, you go through the temporary trials, which the word tells us that our afflictions are light and momentary and that they are not permanent mm -hmm. and that we have an exceeding weight of glory that is stored up and in, an inheritance undefiled, incorruptible, mm -hmm. waiting for us in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. So that these short snapshots of suffering are not the real deal. Mm -hmm. We have something else that's coming. And, and his abundance is gonna be so great. And it exactly. is so great. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to, in that moment, reconcile this idea that light and momentary was not six weeks or six months. It was going to forever change my life. Mm -hmm. And no matter what the outcome, and we had our outcomes that we thought to be foreseeable. We thought she could die. We thought she could live and suffer or we thought that God would miraculously heal her. And so we were waiting for one of those three roads. And in the very early stages for those people who have been hit by the atom bomb and they don't know how to stand back up. I remember going back home from this couple of weeks where we got all of this list of diagnoses for our little girl and I stood at my kitchen sink, which is where my prayers, I feel, are the most genuine and real. I don't know what it is, but I stood there and I said, Lord, I trust you enough. I know you have the why. I've walked with you long enough. I know you have the why. I have heard enough testimony in my life to know you have the why. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how. I don't know how I'm supposed to get up every single day and care for my other two children. I'm carrying this sick baby. I have two other kids at home. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to go to church on Sunday and be the good pastor's wife? How am I supposed to live and breathe? I, I was barely breathing. I couldn't sleep. No. And so I stood, stood there asking the Lord that question. And like you said about the silence, that, that the Lord isn't, when he's silent, his, he's searching us out. Mm -hmm. And I had to go to the Word to hear His voice. And in Proverbs 16, where of course, as it always is, it's just where I so happen to be, yeah. in yeah. that moment where jumping out of the page into my confronting my life was Proverbs 16, where it says, commit your work to the Lord and He will establish your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I had prayed, Lord, I don't even know how to think about this. I don't even know what to, what to think. How do I even think anymore? Mm. I've been so rattled and reframed, right? Well, Every, your, your whole life had, just moved to a whole nother continent. Exactly. Just you don't, you don't speak the language. No. You don't know the customs. No. Exactly. No, exactly. It, it, it all been turned completely upside down. Yeah. And so he told you through that passage yes. to commit your ways to him. Yes. To commit my work, commit my ways and then he would settle my thoughts about it all. So from that, it became my number one coping mechanism to this day, six years later, that has never failed me. Get up and do what's next. Yes. One step at a time. Yep. 
And it became a day-to-day, -day, not even day-to-day, -day, and we always say mm -hmm. 12 hours at a time because sometimes 24 is just too much. 12 hours at a time. Sometimes it was one hour at a time. Of course. It would get up, get the kids breakfast. Okay, I did that. What can I do next? And it became those victories that grew into days mm. and months mm. until her due date. Because we were waiting. I would wait every morning for her to move inside to know she was alive. And I would go every week for an ultrasound to make sure her heart was still beating. So every time we saw that beautiful four quadrant, you know, <laughs> pumping rhythm, and we could see her heart and we knew that God was sustaining her life. And we coped 12 hours at a time, sometimes less, mm -hmm. and we cried and we prayed and we wrestled and we were angry and it was every kind of emotion. You know, sometimes we were filled with so much hope that the Lord would heal. Other times we were despairing that our lives were over mm -hmm. and we would weep. The, the weeping would sneak up on us like, I, yeah. Like in the grocery store. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or you're talking to someone and all of a sudden, I mean, I remember once, um, after my brother was diagnosed with cancer, I was having a pedicure done and I just started bawling and they looked up at me like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and what I'm happened? like, no, it's not you. Yeah. It's, it's not you at all. I just, I, I can't keep this in. Yes. And that's okay. In fact, right. the other side is, let me try and fix you and then you'll try and fix him mm -hmm. and then you're going to try and fix the doctors mm -hmm. or a fighting of yes. some kind goes on because mm -hmm. yep. you're advocating and it's yep. all under those good umbrella words yes. when really he's saying, be still mm -hmm. one day at a time. Yep. Yes. So fast forward to her birth and what has happened since. <laughs> huh. Well, um, Tim was thankfully still in the science world so he did his daddy research. Found Dr. Google. I couldn't, yes. I couldn't sit idly by. <laughs> I know. I, I really couldn't. So that that was that yeah. was a that's a really neat kind of where, where sometimes, Colleen, the Lord will actually give you a little bit of wind in your sails. Yeah. Where he might not necessarily come rushing in the way that we expect or hope that he would. Mm -hmm. Where there's that immediate healing, right? And the blind can see and the deaf can hear and the lame can leap, right? Mm -hmm. When and and that was that was the thing about all of this is that we we really did we were hopeful that every week that we would go and that they would do the ultrasound and they'd look at the size of the cyst and they would measure it and they look at her ventricles. We really believed, and we still do to this day that if the Lord wants to, right. He can speak a word, He can put right. His finger on her brain and it will be obliterated and it'll be gone right. and she will be made whole. We don't doubt that for a second, right. and we still ask the Lord every six day. years into this. Every day. We still ask him. I'm 20 into it, because, and I still ask him. Because, you know, Anna Anna is getting stronger, but she still can't walk, right? So she's in a chair, and she has a little walker, and she has her little leg braces, and she's doing great. She's doing, and we're so, so proud of her. So does she have her. seizures? Does she talk? Does she? She, she can talk. She doesn't have seizures. Um, her her biggest things now are, are the daily with, with still with a cyst in, okay. in the posterior fossa of her brain and gross motor. Those are yep, her yep. her big muscle movements. Okay. Um, where she really where she really is behind. She's uh -huh. she has a, a significant delay there. Sure. But can, um, she she can hear. She can hear, she can, she can see, speak, she, she can, can hear. see. So yeah. we witnessed a miracle, which was another wrestling match because it was like a half a miracle. You know? It was yeah. like a, <laughs> you know, Lord, you she could put the ice on that cake. Yeah. <laughs> she the can see, she can hear, she can ball, swallow. Please, yeah. When yeah. when we when I delivered, um they the crash cart was there, mm -hmm. the code team was there, mm -hmm. the NICU doctors were there. 
it was like a circus in that delivery room, and I was out there for all this. It was very embarrassing. Um, yeah, really. Uh -huh. <laughs> Come on in, everybody. Come on in. I invite you all. Um, but they fully expected to give us maybe a little time, and nobody knew what to expect. And there was a hush over the delivery room, the, the floor where we were, the maternity floor, because they had known us over the years. And, and we, I had gone there for some experimental treatment that we were able to access. And, yeah. and um, so they knew our story and they were waiting. And Tim stopped to pray when it was time. My family and all of our families were in the delivery room waiting. It was, it was a circus. And because we all didn't know what would happen, but they chased everyone out. It was us and the medical team. And Tim just asked to pray with our OB and our two nurses that were there. And he just asked that God's glory would be revealed. And oh, you had no idea how that would be answered. No. Because look at where you are today. A absolutely, yes. absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. And and just things all along the way, even at the hospital that that we were at, because we had we had asked them at CHOP, like, do you want us to come down and deliver down here downtown in case it gets really bad really fast? And he said, No, you could you could deliver at the hospital that you've delivered your other two at, because I think they thought that it's, it's gonna go one way. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So why come downtown and try to drive through traffic to get here? You can go where you're comfortable, be comfortable, and, and do what, what's gonna happen. Right. Um, but I was saying, you know, sometimes the Lord gives you some wind in your sails along the yeah. way, Colleen. So um, in the midst of all of these, all of these diagnoses and, and week upon week, and the doctor is telling us that there's nothing that we can do. There's no, there's no experimental medicines. There's no clinical trials. There is nothing for you because um, after we got the the laundry list and we told and we told the docs at CHOP that we weren't going to abort mm -hmm. Anna, um, I just said, you know, now that we told you this, what do we do? He said, well, I we would suggest you go get an amniocentesis mm -hmm. to figure out if it's genetic in nature mm -hmm. or if it's infectious in nature. Because mm -hmm. if it's genetic. That's a whole different ballgame. That's game. a whole different ballgame, and we actually have an idea about what you could probably expect. And if it's a certain type of genetic um, abnormality, there's actually a good amount of data. So we can really tell you what to expect. Like, you'll have a very limited amount of time, typically. And, and those are, you know, heartbreaking things that people go through every day. But they were trying their best to prepare our hearts right. for what we were going to walk into if we weren't going to terminate the pregnancy, which was never, was never an issue. So... I was still in the pharmaceutical world. I was trying to do the dad and the husband thing and trying to find some type of answer. I gotta do something here because here's my wife carrying oh, our baby. Oh, you had to and be I, going bonkers. Yeah, and I'm feeling, like, I'm feeling helpless, right? right. I, I, and guys, we wanna get in there, we wanna fix, we wanna try to make something right, we wanna do something to help. And I came across, um, we found out through the amniocentesis that Anna, one of the additional things was uh, she had CMV, cytomegalovirus, mm. which is, it's in the studio right now, it's on your skin, it's on my, it's everywhere. There's nothing um, crazy about it. It's very much an environmental thing, but it happens to, on very, very rare occasions, cross over the placenta okay. and pass to the baby. And when it passes to the baby, okay. that's when things go really, really bad. Um, in Europe, they test every single pregnant mom for CMV. Hmm. Everyone gets tested. It's not a part of the OB screens here in the States, so they don't know. Hmm. They don't know if it's gonna happen or not. We've happened to know. There's a doctor down in Virginia, at Virginia Commonwealth, who does a bunch of testing in Europe with pregnant women with CMV. 
So you just made a new friend. So I made a new friend. <laughs> I, I made a new friend, and on a whim, I called him. He got right back to me. This is like oh. in one day. This happened. So those are the things that we find God in. Yes, exactly. Because you just go, you know, I can't do anything, but then you make a phone call because that's the next right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he calls right back, how shocking is exactly. that? Exactly. And the Lord, I to this day, Colleen, I think that the Lord did that. I know for us, for Anna, but I, I think He did that for me. Really. Because. Because I, I, needed, I needed something from him. I needed something tangible from him. And I really believe that, that he allowed those steps to be directed in such a way. So um, his name is, is Dr. Adler down at Virginia Commonwealth. And he, he called me up. He's like, hey, Tim, this is Stuart. Nice to, here's my phone number. Here's my email. You know, whatever, whatever you need. I'm like, this is, I'm going to send you a couple journal articles. New England Journal of Medicine, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Journal of Infectious Disease. So like this is stuff I'm just like, I can't believe this is out there. And um, long, long, long story short, we were able to get Jamie infused with a human immunoglobulin. Yes, yes. I think I told you a little bit of, the, yes. of this story um, where it is FDA certified for organ transplants, because CMV rides along on organ transplants, uh -huh. so it's approved for organ for transplant patients, uh -huh. not for pregnant women. Hmm. And they're not gonna do that. The insurance company certainly isn't gonna pay for oh, it. Oh, so, no. so I just thought, okay, well, whatever whatever the cost, if this is gonna, if this is gonna be a shot in the dark, we're, we're gonna do something, we gotta do something. And um, so we went back to the to the perinatologist, and he's like, I seem to remember something. About, I don't know if he remembered or not, but we weren't at a research hospital. Okay. He said, I, I'm going to have to get a protocol together. So we'll see. And time is of the essence here because it, every week is yeah. getting closer and closer. Yeah. We got to do something to try to reverse what's going on here if we can. And um, they do 18,000 ultrasounds at that office a year. So it's just like in and out, in and out. Our perinatologist had 10 minutes. He went back to his desk. He called Dr. Adler down in Virginia. Dr. Adler was at his desk. He picked up. They talked to each other for 10 minutes. They put a protocol together. And at a non-research hospital, they said, we'll do it. We'll try it. I went to the front desk to the, to the administrator, the perinatologist. She got super excited. She said, Tim, I'm going to help you in whatever way I can. Mm -hmm. She called up our insurance company. She would need at least two. Um, doses of immunoglobulin, $7,000 a shot. I was like, okay, I'll, we'll remortgage that, whatever it takes, we'll, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. She called up our insurance company. Oh. Our insurance company approved it. It's an off-label, not, not approved for pregnant women thing, and it got, and it got approved, we paid $25 those, for it. Those are Israelite stories. Exactly. Yes. Those are, yeah, we're wandering in the mm -hmm. desert, yes. and now we're at the Red Sea, yeah. and and I see nothing but death yeah. ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. And what the Lord says in Exodus 14, 14, yeah. just be still mm -hmm. yeah. and he will make the way. Yes. And that and stillness is a discipline because everything in us wants to rush to fix it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because of our time, I wanna fast forward to how are you guys different today? And how has Anna's life been a gift mm -hmm. and changed you when you said malformed, of course not, according to the Lord. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think 
I think suffering in general is a gift that we never want to receive. And from Anna, her story, and what God, more importantly, what God has done, has when, when circumstances should drive us to be fearful, because she is still struggling and has, been, has lived a very severe life. But from that, we are seeing a sweetness produced in her. Mm. We see the Holy Spirit in our little girl. Mm. There's, I mean, I have so many stories. One of my favorite is last summer, she had a, a very severe setback. She wound up having an intracranial hemorrhage and a clot mm. in her brain. So it was the closest that we had been in a while to losing her. Mm-hmm. And she was four at the time and had three, a rapid succession of three brain surgeries in a, in a matter of two weeks. And it was just, it was very bad. It was a, just a very bad experience. Because she's very had how fearful. many brain surgeries? She's had 15, 15 total since she was born. The first was at seven days. And the most recent was in April. Okay. And they're just managing her, her fluid collection, which is still very hard to manage. But we're in a good season now. And in that, in that very difficult time, again, another place of the Valley of Shadow of Death where we've been sharing a lot of these valleys that we've been in. But I remember being in the hospital with her in the intensive care and I never leave when she's there. We just have made a commitment that we will not leave her. We will not leave her. And I was discouraged, of course. You know, this has been a long road. And I I was, (laughs) of all things, measuring her output, which for people in the, yeah. who are care, her caregivers, they understand what that means. I was measuring her output and I walked out of the restroom after that, just feeling discouraged. And she came, she was in her bed with two external lines yeah. draining this bleed mm-hmm. out of her brain. So we could see uh-huh. yeah. very gruesome things. And she was smiling at me and she sang a song that we had learned in vacation Bible school in the sweetest little voice, she's really a singer, but the verse of that song is, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. So pouring out of my little girl who is in this place of suffering where you would think logically that she would be fearful and skeptical and sour and sad and not being capable to have that to have that moment Mm -hmm. and she was singing praise to the lord and i'm not very much a phone person but somehow i managed to video it that where she's just singing praise and i was able to send that to our family and our friends and our church because they grieve with us every time this happens Mm -hmm. and just to show them the power of god in the darkest valley that through this experience, the Holy Spirit is coming, pouring, emanating, bubbling up out of her. And we get to see that. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, the Lord really ministered to my heart because as a mom, I wanna take it all away from her. Mm -hmm. I would rather have every surgery, every headache, every hospitalization, every IV, every little, I would take every little piece of suffering onto myself if I could, but I can't, I just have to, be by her side while she endures. And through that moment of praise, God just spoke to my heart saying, you are with her, Mm -hmm. I am in her. And I, through that moment, I think we, that was another turning point where we, 
where you just kind of say, okay, Lord, if you've got that and you're able to do that in this valley, I'm going wherever you say go. And so those valley moments where we feel like we're hopeless and despairing, if you wait on the Lord and he reveals his presence, mm-hmm. you don't have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And we get where circumstances have been, in my mind, humanly speaking, very fearful. Sure. We are less and less afraid because the Lord is always with us in such real tangible ways, almost like that. Now, granted, we're not martyrs. We're not. But where Stephen is stoned and acts. Sure. And he gets to see Jesus high and lifted up to the point where he says, take, you know, forgive them and take me. Mm-hmm. And he's filled with this vigor and strength and he preaches. And it's just like he is in that moment where nobody wants to be of being stoned and rejected and killed, brutalized. Mm-hmm. And yet he gets an extra portion of the Lord that nobody else does. I think that comes when we have nothing left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we want to stay strong. And I just uh, wrote to someone the other day and said, it's okay not to have any strength yeah. because God says he'll give it to you. Yeah. So that's okay. Now, yeah. how has this changed you? My, my eternal perspective, mm. um, this is not home. Mm. And, and it's, it's easy when things are going well mm-hmm. in life to think, yes, heaven is ours through the blood of Christ and eternity and paradise and all of those things. But when, when you're given a gift of a sneak peek, and that's really kind of what we call this, mm-hmm. we've, we've been given a gift with Anna. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody gets a turn on this carousel. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to take a turn and have a ride. And in the Lord's sovereign timing and in his plan, some of the ways that which we've seen, some that which we really still wrestle with and struggle with, with the why Mm -hmm. and the how, like Jamie Mm -hmm. said. The fact of the matter is, Colleen, is we're going home. Mm -hmm. And this is not home. This this is not home. This is is not eternity with our our Savior, with our Maker, our Redeemer, and our King, and our friend, Mm -hmm. our Comforter. You probably speak differently about Jesus now than you do. About Jesus and and about heaven. Yeah. And about heaven because she will walk. She will walk with him. She will run. She will dance before him, right? People who can't see on this side of heaven, the first thing that they see when they enter into paradise is they're going to see the face of Almighty God. Mm-hmm. People who can't speak, people who have been, whose bodies have been ravaged, people who have been taken advantage of, mm-hmm. all, all of those things are going to be made whole and going to be made right. And this is not it. This is not home. This is not heaven. But God in his grace has given us his word mm-hmm. and he's given us his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians chapter one, we suffer. Paul said, I, I go through these sufferings so that you could understand the salvation and the consolation and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And that has become more real to us mm-hmm. in, in ways that we would never ask for. Right. We would never expect, but we know, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that that's him. Yeah. And that's his, that's his sovereign plan. And he has every right to do that. So we sit before him. Um, Tim, when we were talking, what originally brought us into a conversation was the story about Make-A-Wish and how Mm. you all were headed to Disney World with three kids. I got to hear this. Okay. So Make-A-Wish, phenomenal foundation, phenomenal organization. And through Anna's, um, just the constant people in and out of the house, they... 
they were saying to us, hey, you know what, you guys should put in for Make-A-Wish. And I didn't have an, we didn't have an understanding. We thought that was just for terminal kids or, you know. I did too yeah. until I spoke to you. And, and, it's, and it's not, it's not. It's for anyone whose main doctor deems them to have a life-threatening condition. So, so Anna's neurosurgeon made the call whether or not we qualify. And uh, he said, yes, absolutely. So, so we, we qualified for that and we asked Anna what her wish would be. And Anna said that she wanted to go to Disney World and to meet Mary Poppins. Yeah, the, she and, is quite smart. And the reason, <laughs> the reason she asked for Mary Poppins, and this is, just, this is just Anna in a nutshell, Jamie had been talking with the kids about when she went to Disney World back in the 80s, okay. um, and that she thought that Mary Poppins was the most beautiful character there. Mm. Well, we didn't know it at the time, but Anna was listening to that. She heard it and she locked that away. So that became a part of her wish. So she wished to go to Disney World and to meet Mary Poppins. So this is her wish. So we go through the interview process and, and the Make-A-Wish folks come out to the house and everybody's excited. You know, we hadn't done anything like this as a family oh, at all. Oh, never get away. No, because mm -hmm. you, you, you draw a two-hour circle around Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and that's how far we can go. So we can get back because Anna's, you know, if she crashes, we got to go. So there's constant people in your house as well. Oh, yes. Multiple times. Since she's been born, we've had therape therapeutic you know, services in and out of our house and OT, PT, speech, vision. So you yeah. guys were on your own we were, with her we were and on our the own. two boys. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So this is this is our first foray out into normal life, right? With the things that everybody else gets to do while we're kind of sitting back watching the world go by, seeing other kids grow up and other families go. Sense? And that's and it's it's wonderful. You're thrilled for them, but there's also there's also an ache thinking, oh, I wish we could do something like that. It. So make a wish comes along and they say, We're gonna we're gonna grant you this wish. And they pull out all the stops and it's wonderful. So we get to the point and, and Anna's kind of bouncing along health wise, not doing very well, headaches. Oh. There, there, there were issues with with her with her neuro symptoms with uh -uh. with her shunt, uh -huh. um, and it just it wasn't doing well. But we thought we're gonna we're gonna chance it. So we got to the day, and everybody's excited. Our boys are like crawling out of their skin. <laughs> Make a wish sends a stretch navigator to our house that backs up our driveway. The <laughs> Can boys I have be never somewhat the the, the, the Can boys I have enroll. Yes, it exactly. Was it was incredible. I mean, they they did so well to make us feel so special. They really did. So the, the navigator backs up the driveway, the, the, you know, the boys are crawling all over, Anna's like squealing, mm -hmm. she's so happy. We get to, we get our bags in the navigator, we get to the airport, we get to, to ticketing and checking, we get through that. Anna's in her wheelchair, right? so we're pushing her through, right? right? So we go up to TSA, We've never we've never gone anywhere, so we don't, and we've never gone anywhere with a little girl in a wheelchair, so we don't know what to expect. We're trying to talk Anna through this to keep her calm, yes. right? So she doesn't and the boys and the boys. So we're, you know that we're trying to keep everybody calm, so they don't lose it, we don't lose it, right? We're just step by step, you know, one foot in front of the other. Okay, this is what we're going to do next. This is what we're going to do next. So we get through that, and we got there early enough where we could actually go to the food court and go to Chick Fil A, get get a chicken sandwich, right, and just get excited. Well, as we're sitting in the food court, we see Anna start to kind of go into one of her neuro episodes where we could tell something wasn't going right. And she, she looked at us and started to cry and say, you know, mommy, my head hurts, which is, it's just, which is her tell, that she is not feeling well at all. So she starts to cry and Jamie got her up from the food court and starts to walk out into the concourse and, and she's really in pain. Like she's, she w went pale, she's sweating, she's, um. you know, she's, she's moving in Jamie's arm. She's just very physically uncomfortable. And, and she was 
screaming. Yeah. Scre so we're in this very crowded concourse, and she was screaming. Oh, and the like look she you did wouldn't, just yeah, yeah, wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was. And what did you do with the boys? So what we typically do in moments like that is we try to divide and conquer, mm -hmm. right? So so we want to do our best to keep the boys calm and to minister to them. And so I I was staying with the boys, and Jamie got up and was just walking with Anna to try to help her feel calm and try to calm her down because we didn't know if it was just the environment yes. that yeah. she was just nervous or scared or if this is something really that was happening. And we gave her medications yeah. to try to, we have rescue medications for those moments that we tried to you know, alleviate some of her pain. Was your heart going like this? Oh my, it was, because we, we've learned over the years how to cope with these kinds of episodes sure. that you know, we know when they're severe and when they're mild. And so it, as time went on and it became 15 minutes, became 30 minutes and I was, she was screaming, crying. I was just crying thinking how Am I going to make the decision to one, get on a plane and go to Disney World, or two, to devastate my, my other children mm -hmm. who are waiting and longing for this? And in many cases, her suffering has been elevated and highlighted, and their suffering of course. Is, is, ver is very much a part of their lives. Their childhood is not the typical. No, it's not. So we felt this need to really bless them as well with this wish trip. So it was really for our entire family, but it came to a point where we had to say, we cannot go. Yeah. And we were 30 minutes from loading on the plane. We, so our, we, bags, our bags our were bags on the plane, we had tickets yeah. in hand, we were through security. Yeah. And I, I, could hear, I could hear Anna screaming in the concourse. You know, and I'm, I'm asking, I'm like, Lord, you gotta help me here because I'm gonna have to make this call. I know that Jamie's gonna come back and she's gonna ask me, what do we do? And it's going to be on me, and I have to. I have to make this call. Not to be and the I'm, bad guy. And I, exactly, I'm sitting there looking at my boys, and they get it. They're they've been through this enough. They know. Yeah. They know exactly yeah. what's going on, yes. and they're looking at me like, "Dad, are we going to go or not?" And um, and we look like crazy people at this point because you know that's when your prayers get real. So oh, I'm, we all I'm look like crazy there, people going, and now. I'm just saying, "Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus!" You know, I'm just. Screaming. You say anything, yeah. you don't yeah. even care. I am praying for the Lord to swoop in and yes. rescue us out yes. of this situation, and it was a disaster. A disaster. disaster, and it didn't it didn't go that way. So you went home. So we had to we had to make a decision right then and there. So the limo I, left us. The limo so left. we didn't even have a way to get away. There's no way, there's no way to get <laughs> We're home. We're like, thanks, Lord, for that happening. There, yeah. there, there was no way to get home. So I to, I told Jamie, you need to go downstairs and go to security, and you need to tell them what's going on. And I got to go get our bags off the airplane, right? So, so we did what we do. We divided and conquered. Jamie went down, and the boys are standing there like shell shocked, and they just they just looked at me and they said, "Dad, we're we're not going to Disney World." And I had I had to tell them right there that no, guys, we're not not today. Huh. And I wanted um, I wanted the Lord to break through. I said, "Look, Lord, I I got." I got nothing here. I got nothing because this is a part of all of our story as a family, and this is a part of, of their story with you because we framed it as this is a blessing from the Lord. Not everybody gets to do this, right? And because we've had to walk a road that other people don't, not everybody, when they go to Disney World, gets to ride in a limousine and get, you know, <laughs> exactly. that, that's not the, this, this, is, is, this is a reward. This is a blessing. But then, yes, some of the other sides of it. Yeah, this is, so this is an absolute blessing. So this is how we entered into it. And now 
that that framework, that paradigm is just completely exploded, right? Because, well, no, Dad, this was this was a blessing from the Lord. Where's God in this, right? And they're asking me this. And I said, guys, all I know is that we're not supposed to go to Disney World today. And the Lord knows why. We don't know why, but we serve a good God and he is the giver of every good gift. And he wants you to receive this gift. So I promise you, we will go to Disney World and we will celebrate and it will be good. But today is not that day. So we need to go. And they just said, okay, dad, let's go. And their little souls were bolstered in that moment. I know it was the Holy Spirit and they were strong and they were brave and they helped me go downstairs and get those bags and we just did the next thing. So literally they shut down the runway, sent an ambulance across the runway at PHL to pick up Jamie. She was down in the bowels of Philadelphia International Airport, rushed her to chop and uh, went to the hospital and then and then we the boys and I went home. So a couple months later we got to go. So you did. We did get the to go. The best part of the story is God was good a little was, bit later. He was good, and we got to go. We got to go at Christmas, so it was, it was beautiful. It was. Oh, really that's beautiful. an incredible time to go. It was really beautiful, and probably the coolest thing about all of that was is there was another family there at at the at the Wish Resort um, from our region, really from the town right next to us, with a little girl, a uh, twelve-year-old girl who had been suffering with brain cancer that we personally and as a church had been praying for. We had never met. And I saw him walking across the cafeteria and he was wearing the Make-A-Wish Philadelphia t-shirt. I was like, hey, nice t-shirt. And and uh, he said, yeah, nice t-shirt. When did you get here? We're making small talk. Oh, I flew in today. Oh, I flew in today too. You're on the flight right before this us. This is when you went. This is, you this met is, this couple this is from your neighborhood yeah. that your church was praying for yeah. that you had, had never, never met. physically had never met. met. They didn't know about us. We didn't okay, know about them. Okay, that's just a, that's it was, a God thing. It was. Yes. And, and then we got to talk and I said, wait a minute. Are you, are you, are you Ray? And he said, yeah. I said, is your daughter? He said, yeah, it's my daughter. And we just, we just broke down and hugged each other. We thought we were crazy, yeah. but, but we, just, we just broke down. We hugged each yeah. other. And we are all so, crazy so we anyways. <laughs> so, I mean, just, and again, there's another wind in your sails moment, Colleen, where the Lord says, I'm going to give you a little piece right here to let you know that I've got this uh-huh. and I've got you. And there's a bigger story being written here that you could n- not even comprehend. And that's where you just stand back and your faith is actually bolstered and you can trust the Lord a little bit more. And circumstances that we would look at and say, that was a mess. Why did that happen? And you don't always get that. You're not supposed to know why. Sometimes the Lord will give you those little, those little shots of, shots of adrenaline of, of, of uh, just a little bit of strength in your sails to keep going. Let me also say, I so affirm you being so honest with your boys and because John is so much older, this narrative for your children is going to be life-changing. Yes, it will. My son does stuff and writes stuff for um, children, non-typical children, he would have never thought of doing. Yeah. And though my daughter doesn't, she has a sensitivity mm. to the marginalized or to those who are suffering in some way. And so we, why we want to have our children never hurt, mm-hmm. Sometimes that hurt is the engraving of God on their heart. Amen. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree. And did you see Mary Poppins? We did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we did. She got she got a makeover at the castle in the Bibbidi Bobbidi <laughs> boutique, and then met Mary Poppins after that. So she was beautiful, and so was Mary Poppins. It was really That's a great. yeah, perfect joy sorrow moment. You know, I've never done this before, Tim, but I would like you to speak to all of those who have been 
listening and thank you for your time and we care about where you are. Mm -hmm. Speak and will you just close however you feel led to close for any of those who are groveling, who mm -hmm. are breathless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The things, the things that we've walked in our lives are not the things that you're walking. Every one of us has a very unique story and it's so easy to compare stories. It's so easy to, to try to set yourself up on this, on this comparison continuum. And the thing about suffering is that there, there is no continuum. Suffering is suffering and the pain that you're carrying is not the pain that we have to carry. It's not the pain that you have to carry, Colleen. It's not the pain that any one of us are called to carry. The Lord has sovereignly placed in your hands what he has deemed the best thing for you. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. He is just and he is loving and he will never waste pain. If he wastes pain, he's not the Lord. Right. If, some, if some level of pain slips through his hands, he is not God, but he is. So which means he does not waste pain and he doesn't waste your pain where you're at right now. I would encourage you with that, that he's capable, his hands are capable. He will always be faithful to meet you exactly where you're at. He's made covenants, he's made promises with us throughout the generations and he will keep them. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And whether that's you going into the operating room, whether that's your child going into the operating room, whether that's you on a bed of sickness, he will not leave you, he will not forsake you. God's word is true and it's powerful and it's the anchor that holds and run, run to the promises of scripture. Make it, sometimes you have to make it just a, a matter of will in the morning where you don't feel like it, you don't wanna do it, but run to the pages and he will meet you there and he will encourage you there. And remember that he carried every single ounce of your pain, of your spouse's pain, of your child's pain. He felt that on the cross. And he bore the brunt of that so that we wouldn't ultimately have to. He carried all of our shame, all of our sickness, all of our guilt, all of our sin on the tree. And he bled his perfect holy blood into the ground so that we could be made right and we could be made whole with him again. And that is everything. That is the, that is the crossroads of human history of, of all time and space. And that if you're, if you're feeling beat down and broken and, and just out of gas and you have nothing left, go back to the cross. Mm -hmm. Go back to the cross and remember the cost and remember what actually happened there. Mm -hmm. That Jesus in some supernatural way experienced the pain and the brokenness of brain surgeries and intracranial hemorrhages and cancer and sickness and disease and the disease of my heart and of, of my mind and of all of mankind, he did that so that we could be made right with him. And, and that's, that's everything, that's, that's our hope. Yep. And then he's coming soon. That's the blessed hope of the church. He's coming back and he's coming soon. And this is all gonna be over soon. We get to lay our swords down and we're gonna be made right and be made whole because of the finished work of the cross. And it's, it's gonna be paradise mm -hmm. with him. And, and he'll, for and he'll a meet us time, here. Yeah, a little time of suffering, which feels forever. It does. But it's, this isn't our home. It's not. And there is so much good ahead. There is. You guys, there is. Are, you guys are like ultimate reframers. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for being with us. And I want to encourage you, as you have heard some of this, of a part of the story has meant something to you or to a friend, or if you're in need, please contact Insight for Living. Contact me at Reframing Ministries. Please connect with us. We have a pastoral care department as well that is longing to breathe hope into your life. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Reframing Ministries podcast. We invite you to join the conversation on our blog at specialneedsblog.org.